0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellett. The Dow and S&P are lower. NASDAQ is higher. S&P 500 index little changed. It is down less than half a point now at 2163. The Dow down 19 points to 18,335, a drop there of 0.1%. NASDAQ up six, a gain of one-tenth of 1%. The tenure up 12.30 seconds, the yield 1.49%. Gold up $3 the ounce to $13.63, a gain of two tenths of one percent, and crude oil, West Texas Intermediate up a dollar a barrel now, $41.86 on WTI. That is a gain of two and a half percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio.
2: Columbine, Virginia Tech, Fort Hood, San Bernardino, Orlando, the list goes longer and longer and so does the, uh, the debate over advocates for gun control and gun rights and others, uh, Again, this is just heating up this debate all the time. But there's a new friction seeping into this debate that you don't always see among the immediate post-shooting rhetoric whether states and local tax laws can target firearms and ammunition. So we are happy to welcome back to the show Gen- Jennifer McLaughlin. She's tax reporter for Bloomberg BNA, a wholly owned subsidiary of Bloomberg and a leading source of legal, regulatory, and business information for professionals. So Jennifer, uh, many cities and states now are adding yet not, not a sales tax necessarily but a whole other kind of tax if they can to uh, guns, ammunition.
3: Why and what are they doing? What we're seeing with states and localities is this attempt to tax firearms and ammunition, not just with the basic sales tax, but with an extra excise tax. And what we're hearing from localities that have actually passed these tax is that these are meant to raise revenue in order to fund programs to address safety concerns and also to reduce crime.
1: Jennifer, I wonder if you could tell us a little detail about what happened in the Northern Marianas Islands. This is a U.S. territory, and the governor uh, said that this was something that none of us wanted. They said that we wanted to make it as strict as possible, and it also has to do with a court decision. I wonder if you could elaborate.
3: Well, what happened with the Northern Marianas Islands recently is they, imposed, or they enacted legislation imposing a $1,000 tax on handguns, and – Actually, we've heard that people have thought that this could be a role model for the states, but we're not hearing states or localities suggesting they're going to actually follow suit with this example of a $1,000 tax. Well, the
2: idea of these taxes, as I understand it, from your excellent uh, story, uh, BNA story, is that uh, cover the costs of, of medical bills, someone okay. gets shot, right? That involves hospital costs, and also... um Police enforcement, so that's, that's part of the logic here. Now, um, the opposition, for example, the Lawrence Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, told you that, uh, he says there's a disconnect. They're basically arguing this side that, that you could put these taxes on, it's not gonna cause less mass shootings.
3: Correct. They're saying that they, the objective behind the tax does not actually connect to the externalities or the consequential costs of gun violence. It's not going to do anything to actually deter violence because criminals are not buying these taxes, or excuse me, they're not buying firearms or ammunition. They're actually buying them from underground sales. And so in order to reduce crime, you need to actually go after the criminals themselves. And um, Mr. Keen had actually said one way to do that is through law enforcement but not through taxation.
1: Now, Chicago also has a tax on firearms, correct? That's a $25 per firearm. Correct. And are there other states that are going to, in some way, use this, not necessarily to restrict gun ownership, but as you described earlier, to just raise money?
3: Other than Cook County in Illinois and Seattle, we have not seen a trend emerging with states and localities. Seeking to tax firearms and ammunition. In the past, some states have introduced proposals, but none of them actually went through um, the General Assembly and became law. And we're not seeing this becoming a trend in the near future. So,
2: what uh... Is it is it a a big tax revenue builder for certain depending on what kind of tax you you pass? I guess if quite apart from trying to end gun violence and mass shootings, a lot of a lot of states and cities uh, could use some help with their budgets.
3: Correct. And when we speak with Cook County in Seattle, they have revenue projections that indicate they will be pulling in quite a bit of revenue with these taxes. However, we have heard from opposition that that is those figures are illusory because, in fact, customers and businesses will leave the cities to go elsewhere in order to set up business or to buy guns. And also, we have a void of information with regard to what the revenue projections for these taxes are. There's just so little information about the taxes in general, so organizations who conduct research have not been able to actually generate an estimate of what these laws could actually bring in terms of revenue.
1: Thank you very much, Jennifer McLaughlin, tax reporter for Bloomberg BNA, located in Arlington, Virginia. Bloomberg BNA, a wholly owned subsidiary of Bloomberg and a leading source of legal, regulatory and business information for professionals. Turn our attention now to professional politics. John McCormick, our reporter for Bloomberg Politics, joins us from Chicago. John, I wonder if you could just uh, give us a summary of the new polls that have been released Particularly in key battleground states between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton.
4: Yeah, none of them really are particularly good for Donald Trump. Uh, these are in you know battleground states like New Hampshire and Pennsylvania, uh, places that are you know most likely going to decide the election. Um, one uh, one poll uh, out today uh, had Clinton at forty-three to thirty-nine. Um, in a four-way race. uh, That one was out of uh, uh, Pennsylvania, or excuse me, that one was Florida, uh, another obviously really important battleground state. So the the state polls are reflecting what we've been seeing in the national polls since the convention, which is generally an uptick in support for Clinton and a downtick for Trump.
2: Uh, Yes, and of course, uh it doesn't seem coincidental that this downtick has occurred as Donald Trump uh, has, you know, made the comments about the military family, the Muslim American uh, military family who lost their son, and then uh, has still seemed at odds with key players in the Republican Party, like Paul Ryan and John McCain.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, you you could make the case that Trump has had about the worst uh, ten day period of his his campaign, uh, and just. Mostly almost entirely self inflicted too and of course republicans are are again losing patience with him uh because they feel like he's creating these campaign distractions that are unnecessary instead of focusing on hillary clinton and uh you know who who in her own right is is a not the strongest candidate. there's a large proportion of the country who is inclined not to like her and is inclined to uh not support her in the election and so uh Um, You know, these self-inflicted wounds that Trump Trump keeps invoking are just really maddening to Republicans.
1: John, tell us about what's going on in the Wisconsin first, uh, the congressional district. This is uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan's home base.
4: Yeah, I was just up there yesterday, and, uh, uh, you know, there's there's no real uh, sense here that – Paul Ryan is a, you know, severe threat to being defeated in a primary on Tuesday, you know, as as happened with Eric Cantor uh, in Virginia back in uh, 2014. Ryan has paid more attention to the district. He goes back more frequently and, and, you know, has been very aware of sort of constituent services there and and generally is popular. But uh, Challenger is really trying to use – ryan's you know poor relationship with trump to try to present himself as a more conservative alternative to ryan and trying to you know rally uh, uh the republican base behind him um it's probably not going to be successful but he's getting a lot of national attention and and really taking some very aggressive uh, and hostile pokes at at the speaker um, you know who's really you know the top elected republican elected official in the country um so he uh the, the primary on tuesday night is going to be interesting to watch there's no real public polling that would suggest that the race is that close uh ryan uh, favorability ratings in the, in the last public poll up there showed him you know, popular with about 80 percent plus of Republicans and independents who lean that way. But it's it's on everybody's radar just because it would be obviously a huge deal if Ryan were defeated in a primary next week.
2: Well, uh, in public, of course, uh, the the Trump campaign putting the best face on all of this. Uh, uh, Paul Manafort, as you just mentioned him, the campaign chairman uh, seeming to say oh, everything's fine. If I could paraphrase, what are you hearing, though, from inside the the campaign itself or people who are close to the Trumps are they dismayed are what's next
4: well I I think you know the report suggests that Manafort is is obviously frustrated but he's sort of resigned himself to the fact that you know you live by Donald Trump you die by Donald Trump I mean he is a sort of a one-man show and the campaign is sort of set up around him to support him but he's he seems like a guy who ultimately is going to do whatever his gut tells him to do he's He's run his campaign for you know a year plus that way and then and up until now it's generally served him fairly well um but running a uh you know a general election presidential campaign is extremely different from a primary campaign. And Trump is learning that. So there there are people in the campaign who are obviously frustrated. There are people in the Republican National Committee who are trying to advise Trump's campaign and give him guidance and try to keep him on message, but they are not having success doing that.
2: John McCormick, thank you so very much for joining us from Bloomberg Politics. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. We're going to be watching the markets from bonds to stocks and more. This is Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg